PGA Nation, we are back. I've missed you. I know it's only been a week off, but it felt like longer. I've missed you all. I'm ready to get back to the draft. But there's a few things to recap before we get there. We're going to head over to Mexico this week. Um, it's at a course that's never been played before, so it's going to be new, right? There's not all the metrics that we're used to having. You know, some will look at that as I don't know where I can find an edge. Some look at that as I have a bigger edge because I'm doing the research. So that's going to be your personal preference. Uh, it's definitely an interesting field. I mean, you got John Rahm and then you got the JV team. So uh, how you play with that, I don't know, but it should be interesting. Coming off, the last time we did the show was the Masters, which, you know, was a good week. I think we were all pretty had pretty well on in terms of guys we were touting. Uh, last week in the Zurich was the team event we took off. I didn't play much last week, but I hope you guys, you know, had a successful week. And now this week, it's time to really dive back in. So, uh, see, I want you to get yourself. How are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good. I, I do want to say we were talking pre-show. It looks like Andy Lack won when he was on the show with us for the Masters, right? So, it uh, looks like he won that one. Spencer came in second place. So, Finally, Spencer's not in first place. I'm actually kind of relieved, I got to be honest, because I, I'm sharing this audience team. The audience team, not all the time, but, you know, when we have a guest on, and they don't typically, you know, finish ahead of the Joels and the Spencers of the world. So I'm actually kind of happy to have my own team this week. No offense to the audience. You guys, like, take that as bulletin board material. You guys come beat me this week, what have you. But I'm excited to kind of throw my hat uh, singularly in the ring. I'll tell you what, though. I'm so excited about the Mexico Open. I know that sounds weird, but I really like the Zurich Classic. Like we didn't have our show last week. I still was like semi excited about it, but the way it played out, it just wasn't interesting to me. And I understand like I wasn't on Cantlay and Xander. I still think if I was on them, I was on Horschel and Burns, by the way, it's not like it was a disaster or anything, but I still think if I was on Xander and, and Cantlay, I still don't think it was going to be that exciting for me. So I'm just happy about having kind of a normal tournament it's a new course and all that I, you know i don't care i actually see that as an edge for all of us and and the people that listen to us so i'm excited to get after it i love it i love it spence how about you how you doing this week i'm doing well also i took last week off entirely I, I tweeted it out i pretty much just did handicapping for the nfl draft that's coming up and the only thing I wanted to say to you Joel because I, I don't think you get enough credit for it because we, we've talked about it before and I know everybody knows that you are the one that came up with this idea. But I just want to reiterate that stance again. Like, this is a great concept of a show. It, it's something that's unique in the space. I, I've said it a million times that I, I like doing things that are not the same as everybody else out there. And, I, you know, this wasn't my idea. It's 100% Joel's idea on this. So just honored to be a part of it with you, too. And, uh, you know, great idea, Joel. Well, oh, hold yeah. on, Joel. Before you even respond, Spencer, you had a hand in developing it. But you're right. It was... 100% Joel's initial idea. I was literally just in the background listening to you guys being like, I guess this is a good idea. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, this is a great idea. And and that's, sorry to interrupt you, Joel, but that's reflected in some of the guests that, that we brought on. You know, Jason, the Jason Sobels of the world, the Andy Lacks, PGA Tout, Model Maniac, you name it. They've been, In fact, I reached out to Jeff Feinberg just a few days ago. I, I think he's going to be... Um, willing to come onto the show within the next few weeks as well. So, I mean, I think everybody's sort of gravitating to this idea. It's different. And I think different, especially in the golf space in particular is really good because unfortunately people are, it, it's hard to deviate from, and I'm not even criticizing the other people. We were doing that too. It's hard to deviate from the standard sort of DFS format. And I think this is a, I, I'm really like, we, we have so many people in the chat right now kind of making comments. Like I want all of you to kind of make sure the word gets out because you know, we're trying to as well, and we got some good guests, but uh, let's keep this thing going. Joel, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I just felt like I had to interject there. No, I appreciate it. Listen, I appreciate the kind words, but the reality of the situation is we're doing something a little different, but it works, and it's good because it's you two, right? It's the three of us doing it. We have great guests, um, you know, doing a draft with just you – know, our, our audience also makes it work because we have the best audience in the biz – but the point is, you know, it's the people, right? We didn't have the, if I didn't work, wasn't doing this with you guys, I don't know if it would be as, I don't think it would be as successful. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be as successful. But when uh, Spence is hitting his picks every week, when Sia gets his first round leader every week, mm -hmm. uh, it makes it so that, you know, it's not just a draft, but we're really bringing A plus content and everyone seems to be 
caching this year. And, and in reality is, I mean, see, I mean, you and I have been doing this now for almost three years, is it? I mean, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is our best year. Yeah, we're just getting better. I mean, in terms of just our picks. I mean, we've been, you know, it's you're hot maybe in March, right? By April, end of April, it's it's now a trend. And we've been pretty consistently good this year. I mean, obviously having the golf, golf writer on the year on the show certainly helps. But um, all around, you know, th- this is certainly heading in the right direction. So, and, and I think this show forces us to look at roster construction and ownership more than just the standard show. The standard show that we used to do and the standard show that other people do, especially when it comes to roster construction. Like, I'm starting to look a lot closer at certain ranges that, Maybe not for the purposes of purposes of this show and my draft, but for my DraftKings teams, I'm looking at ranges that might be like a little less popular, so I can ensure my roster construction and my ownership is a little bit different. And and in the case of the Mexico Open, it's that 8K in my opinion, and we'll talk about this later. But it's that 8K range that I think might set you apart if you dive into that range a little bit more than others, because I think the 9K range is going to be so popular along with the 7K range. So I'll get your opinions on that. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I'm not looking at ownership right now. I know you two are. Um, with that said, we had a comment from Ivan. I have to ask. He said, didn't we win, as in the audience, like three in a row? That just can't be true, right? Well, I know nobody's won three in a row. Um, I know Sia once you had won two in a row. I know that I have won two in a row twice. Uh, I'll go through it right now and see. Oh, we got we got a guy keeping score here. That's perfect, actually. And I got to admit, um, I, I think I forgot to put my lineup in like for the Masters. I, I'm not sure I put it in. I got to like stay on top of that. So when we hit big, it it it's reflected. Just to add to that, so the audience won the week that Jason Sobel was on, but that was combined with UCA. And then the next week, the audience did win at the API. Nice. Okay, fair enough. So that's like kind of two in a row for them because yeah. I'm usually not really manning that ship. I'm I'm just kind of, I'm just the lookout. Um, by the way, everybody listening, please smash that like button. That that certainly helps if you're watching on YouTube. Super easy to do. If you even if if you have the comments up, you can just click a button. Hit the like button and then bring the comments back up on YouTube if that's how you're if you're that's how you're watching. We got Model Maniac in the house. We got Courtney. We got Steven Pilardi. We got Carmen, Ivan. Everybody, thanks for watching. Sorry, I keep babbling. Uh, are we going to the are we going to the, the course preview here, Joel? Yeah, there's one thing. We have a draft coming up before we draft. We're gonna do a course view. Now, Spencer's got his work cut out for him today because mm-hmm. he's got no data to look at. So Give us a breakdown, the best you can do with the information you have, Spence. Yeah, so we have a lot of uncertainty this week, and most of it has to do with the venue making its first appearance on the PGA Tour. As you said, that naturally implies that we won't have the standard strokes game data that we love to decipher through weekly. But there are a few underlying factors that we can point towards while trying to build a model. The course underwent a 250-yard extension to get ready for the week, providing us a new total of 7,456 yards, and nearly 50 bunkers were added to the property and positioned to create a more challenging setup for an otherwise wide-open facility. The field will sense the entire measurement because the course plays at sea level, but the real difficulty will come down to how much wind is expected in the forecast. Past palm grass can be found throughout, and while that exterior typically yields this sticky texture, that can slow rollout both on and off the greens. I have heard that the event will be trying to speed things up as much as they can on the putting surfaces. That doesn't mean we get a fiery test because this grass type will never fully produce that sort of golf. But I don't know if this will be as slow as you get with some past pollen. It might increase some of the distance needed off the tee and provide a more significant emphasis on long iron play. But these are still easy to hit fairways that highlight second shot golf more than some bomb and gouge mentality in my mind. So I weighed eight categories this week. Five of them make up 50% of my total and feature nothing but strokes gain data over similar tests. That would be stats like courses over 7,400 yards, easy to hit fairways with no rough, wind, pass pollen, and easy scoring conditions. Essentially, I'm trying to mimic Vedanta as much as I can to, to what we see. I mean, like there are certain things that cannot be disputed here. We know the course is over 7,400 yards. We know these are wide open fairways. I'm trying to make this as kind of cookie cutter as I can in that sense. I did 25% on weighted tee to green. That was a unique recalculation where 50% of the number took proximity over 175 yards to stand in place for my approach total. 
35% came from how players perform on longer tests with easy to hit fairways. And the last 15% took sand save percentage to account for the over 100 bunkers at the facility. Par 5 birdie or better, 15%. You could argue I could have attached more there, but I instead wrapped it up with distance plus long irons for 10%. That was one of the reasons I didn't go higher on par 5 birdie or better percentage because I felt like I could find a roundabout way to include a lot of what will be needed there a second time. And I took a 50-50 split from the distance and long irons to produce a new rank there. There it is. And there's your edge. That's why you listen to podcasts, you watch our show, you get that information, and then you beat all the schmoes who are playing this course who don't know any of that information, and they're just picking guys whose names they know, right? So um, that is super helpful. You know, you probably want to watch that back and just get some of that information. But now we're going to the draft, right? And I think this week the draft is going to be super valuable in what Sia was saying earlier from their perspective of, like, how do you prioritize, right? Because there's clearly – it's top-heavy, right? There's, you know, maybe I'll be generous in saying there's 10 guys – that are above the field and that's being generous. Um, and then after that, it's very, very JV level. Like some of these guys are playing corn Ferry tour and how are you going to build balanced lineups this week and, and be competitive? So we're going to dive in. We're going to do the draft. Um, and I think ownership is going to be a big factor in getting different, especially at the top, because a lot of those top guys are going to have to be rostered uh, this week. So for the draft order, uh, Spencer got to pick as he had the highest placing. Uh, so for this week, we are going to go Spencer, Sia, myself, and then the audience. The audience, you have two picks. So you'll have the snake, and then you'll come back around. So when you are up, when I'm picking, start sending in your nominations. Get plenty in because you're going to need two of them, not just mm -hmm. one. So let's get ahead of it and make sure we keep this moving uh, in a timely fashion this evening. Without further ado, Spencer, with the first pick, you are on the clock. So I'm going to keep this very simple. Um, I guess I do theoretically open up the board a little bit. I don't know what Sia planned on doing. I might leave something into his lap here. But there is one golfer on my model that grades inside the top 16 in every single stat that I looked at this week. That is Tony Finau at $10,400. Oh, I think he possesses more upside than the general belief is around him. I think this is a really good venue for him. And I kind of like pivoting to Finau over Rom in this situation because I, I do think Rom's ownership is going. I saw Steven posted into the chat and I, I think Rom's ownership is going to probably be 25% plus in all contests. And then I think there's specific contests where he's going to get into that like 30 to 40% range. So I just really like the way Finau sets up here. As I said, he's top 16 everywhere. Like just to throw out a couple numbers just to make it mean something. He's third in weighted tee to green. He's fifth at courses over 7,400 yards. He's second in wind. He's third on par five birdie or better. He's sixth with distance and long irons. He just grades super well across the board for me. Yeah, I mean, I this this is definitely a week where I have no issue taking Tony Finau. And usually I'm the guy that's like, yeah, good luck with Tony Finau. So in fact, in the, um, in the outrights and first round leaders at the end of the show, he is featured. Uh, I'm just not going to tell you whether it's an outright or if it's a first round leader uh, for Tony Finau. So wait for that. But yeah, Joel, what do you think? I mean, obviously I like that pick. He, he grades out so well here. Yeah. I think from a tournament perspective, he's a, he's a really good play. I think, you counter that ROM ownership by getting him. He certainly has winning upside, especially in this watered-down field. So uh, I think the the combination of talent to ownership it may be superior to some of the other guys. Um, but it's interesting. He's still you're still paying a lot of money for for Tony Finau. That in that, that's the thing. It's like from a roster construction standpoint, when it comes to Tony Finau and John Rom, you have to make that decision whether you want to take them and what's your strategy the rest of the way, because especially when it comes to Rom, and we'll talk about him later in the show, it, it does kind of inhibit you in terms of how you want to construct because of that price tag. I think in Tony Finau's case, you know, he's 900 less. It's not really as prohibitive in terms of, you know, a the thing about Tony Finau that's interesting, he's, he's been kind of slumping. And I think the assumption is, oh, he's just probably not the ball striking. Isn't there the ball striking has been there since last summer with Tony Finau it's the short game particularly the around the green game and the putter too but um that's just really been a huge problem but uh, you know I'm seeing and Spencer you may have just kind of intimated this but 
it looks like that might be turning around. And if the if it is, and if the ball striking stays consistent, that's really all we're asking for from him in this field. It does make sense for him to just pop up. I'll add to that that also in his defense, even if he is still you know not all the way back, back on the around the green game, this is a course where that should be neutralized. Especially yeah. a lot of this year, we've played a lot of courses where around the green game was prioritized. Right, there were a lot of tough courses to get there, and now this week that shouldn't be a big factor. So. That should kind of speaks a little bit more to, to his form right now for this course. I, I kind of alluded to this also. Like when you look at this course, I do think it's going to be on the quicker end of what past Paulum is, but that's still on the slower end of what we've gotten recently with this. And Finau's such a great iron player that I think these are the ideal venues where he can take advantage of like the iron play that he has. He can be more aggressive on the putts. And I think naturally he ends up making more putts because he doesn't try to lag them in and he can actually hit the strokes. So uh, I just really like him when it, when things slow down. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go next. I'm going to pick somebody that is probably more surprising to you than what, if I had picked Tony Fino. And because you guys know how I typically feel about Tony Fino. This guy, I never pick. But he just, for me... He rates out really well, and I love his ability to just pop. I think he he has some crash and burn in him, especially with the putter. But again, that's a narrative you could paint with over half of this field. But I just love his ability. First of all, he's crushing it off the tee, and the approach can really pop in a good way. So if those two things combine here, and if he gets if he's decent with the putter, which he has been decent over the last three tournaments, then I absolutely think he can win this thing. It's Sebastian Munoz at 9,800. It's not something I'm super comfortable with, to be honest with you, but it's somebody I I just really want to have on my team because I like his ability to flash at at this tournament and with this this level of talent. I think that's a a really interesting pick. I think this is a type of tournament that I just – he just feels like a good fit for. Um, I think more of just like a hunch type thing. I do think, you know, all things considered, that's a big number for him, but I certainly think he possesses the upside. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Nick, when I filmed Better Golf with him, he kind of talked me into Sebastian Munoz also. And it's for all the reasons that you just mentioned, Sia. He's seventh in my model with proximity from over 175 yards. He's 10th when you then add distance back into the equation. And he's inside the top 20 for par five birdie or better percentage. This does feel like a really good venue for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, while I have everyone's ear, not to brag and toot my own horn, but I'm going to do that anyway. Um, I am currently in first place in the big FanDuel NBA tournament tonight. So very exciting way, Charlie, and then I'm probably going to lose. But if we could stop all the games, end it right now, that would be ideal. Uh-oh, see, I got so sick of me bragging. My <laughs> <laughs> um, bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm waiting for the brag. I'm waiting for the brag. I you with my bragging, but I just want to make sure everyone knew where we stood. Um, listen, I'm, I get to keep. I get to move that over and keep on bragging. I don't understand how I got the third pick. I'm able to get John Rock. I mean, listen, Spencer, you'll remember Fade. That fade it wasn't so long ago and i remember we had this conversation where we said 12 he was in the 1200 range and we said that was not enough he should have been priced higher you couldn't price him there was no way to appropriately price him but now he's obviously not been playing quite as well but at the end of the day this field considering who john rom is and who he's competing against wasn't is a much much weaker field than i don't remember what tournament was but i can assure you it was a stronger field than this one where we were saying he was in the 12K range and he was still underpriced. So at this price, you know, the talent that you're getting, listen, he would, even though he hasn't been in prime in peak form, right? Even if you look at his, his recent at the Masters, he got 27th. I can name 40 guys that would be better than anyone else in this field that played that tournament, right? So, um, he, uh, yes. He's slightly worse than he's been playing, but I think the biggest factor to me is who he's going against. And if he's playing, if he's going to play this weekend, he's going to try and win, I assume. So um, I just think he's head and shoulders better in the field. So I'm going to go ahead and take John Rahm. For whatever it's worth, and I wasn't expecting it to come to fruition for me where I'd be able to do it, but 
I was going to start Finau and Rom, and I was what? just going to figure it out at the bottom. You realize that leaves you with like 7,000 left the rest of the way. I had a lineup that I liked. I thought there were pieces in the $6,000 range. And uh, just to throw it out there, I don't know if it's on my screen that it's not working, but I put in the ROM pick. I don't see it updated, so I don't know what the reason is behind that. Oh, maybe we'll get Joel to put that in there. Yeah, I'll take a look at it in a minute. The one thing I want to add before we move on from this pick, I think that's, I actually think it's a really good idea, Spencer, in terms of kind of sagging the top from this perspective. Once you get down, like we said, maybe 10 guys, whatever it is, there's going to be a much smaller gap between everyone. So they dip down to the 7K, 6K range. Yeah, they're a little bit worse, but the, the amount of difference between them and the 8K range is closer than it would yeah. be in a normal week. So I'm okay with doing that, especially if you think these guys at the top are, are much better. And I think they are, and I think that it does open things up a lot for what you're able to do. And if like that's one of the ways to get around the ownership on on John Rom, like you can just pair him with Tony Finau. I don't think that's a route many people are going to go because you look at it and it's like, okay, I don't, I'll, I'll double check what the number was on it. Um, I guess I could actually put it into the sheet and see what happens, but. Uh, so yeah, you have a little less than $7,100 if you go that route with it. But there's a lot of people I like. I think there's people in that like high $6,000 range. I could pull together four guys very easily from there. See, this is where we disagree on this one. Uh, so I disagree with both of you, not not just Spencer. Like, I think the 6K range is really bad. And I, and I actually think, and that's not to say there aren't guys in the 6K range that I'm okay with, but I just think overall it's really bad. And I think when you compare it to the 7K range that I'm scanning through now, yeah, you're right. The low 7K range in particular isn't great. There's a few guys in there that I like, but I think there's a big difference between, let's say, 6,900, 6,800, 6,700, and 7,500 and above. I think there's a there's a really big gap there. I could be wrong. Like honestly, like it sounds really awesome to have a team with John Rahm and Tony Fee now. I just I know my roster construction this week is going to live in the in the nine eight and in high seven k range. And I'm hoping specifically, and I don't know if I'm going to do it here specifically. If I pull a few out of the eight k range, I kind of know my roster is going to be different because I know everybody when they were scanning prices. They looked at that 8K range and they were like, uh, I just don't like much here. So that's sort of how my construction is, is going to be different this week because I think there's enough guys to maybe uh, make that work. But anyway, uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, and and I'm curious. It sounds to me like both of you might be willing to take a couple top guys and, and we'll see how how it pans out. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if these 6K, 6K guys make it. We got a bunch of nominations in. I can tell you for sure that Woodland is one of – the audience's picks for sure. And I'm looking to see if we've got a second. Oh, it looks like we have a second on Aaron Wise. We're going to let Steven cheat and put in the, the three at a time just because he's nice enough to join us instead of working on his ownership article for us, which will come out tomorrow around five or six o'clock. So um, we'll let that happen. And William Neal seconded Wise. Uh, and so those are the two. All right. So um, I think those are good picks. Um, yeah. Again, you're being balanced. I don't think there's a wrong way to go about this week. I mean, like I said, anything can happen. See, I think made a good point, right? Go and see his route. You probably have higher odds of getting six out of six, which is also very important. So it depends on which type of volatility you want to take on. Um, but I think there's, there's no there's no wrong way to build a roster here this week, right? So let's get Reese's as a sponsor. Yeah. It, it, what did you say? Oh yeah, that's good. Okay. My bad. Um, one thing I, I want to get your opinion on this, uh, Joel and Spencer, Spencer, I'll start with you on this. I mean, this seems like an obvious point, but I might be missing the mark here. This is a tournament where having six of six is really, really important because it's a resort style course. And unless the wind is really high and really volatile, you're going to be scoring on Saturday and Sunday quite a bit. So your five <laughs> out of six lineup is going to be kind of trash by Sunday afternoon against the six of sixes and that's not always the case you guys agree with that 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 the approach of hey let me try to get six out of six through maybe more this week than any other week is is the play sure i mean that makes logical sense on the surface the only pushback i would say to that and it's kind of what joel was mentioning earlier i'm not so sure that these eight thousand dollar golfers are that much safer than these guys in the six thousand dollar range mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that every single person in the $8,000 range and every single person in the $6,000 range 
are equal to one another because that's not the case. I think you can find ways to differentiate yourself with it, but there's enough people in the $6,000 range. Like that's the only thing that I'm trying to say where I could find, I mean, just scrolling through the list and there's going to be volatility. I'm not trying to say like that there's not going to be, but I can easily find five or six guys that like I'm okay putting into a lineup. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the $8,000 range, sure. I mean, there's a handful of guys too, but I don't want to start throwing out like random names here, but um, I mean, there are $8,000 players that I think have high miscut potential themselves. Oh, don't get me wrong. I don't like the 8K range. Uh, my, my suggestion is if you live in the 8K range with two or three of your players, you can guarantee your lineup's going to be different because I just don't think anybody's going to do that. So, I mean, I agree with I the sentiment with that. That, that the 8K range is volatile. I'm making more of a statement that I think the upper 7K range, the gap between that and the 6K range, I think is bigger than you and Joel think. But again, I, I've, I've been wrong before. So I, like, we'll just have to see how it plays out there. I think overall what you're saying does make sense. I think there are some guys in that upper $7,000 range that are a little bit better. And I think that they are underpriced on the surface. But, um, but as I said, I think there's guys in that $6,000 range that are just a little bit better than the perception is around them. Like that they're mm -hmm. more equal than, and it's not every single person. There's just a handful of guys. Mm -hmm. Yep. Joel, yeah. it's back on you. All right. So what I'm going to do here, my strategy moving forward is, is going to be to, uh, uh, as best I can balance it out a bit from here, uh, head down to the seven carry. So I take some of the value plays that I like. I'm going to go for a young guy who's been playing well, who I really love his ball striking who I think should play well in a course like this, and that's Adam Svensson. Oh. Um, I think he struggles in on some of the tougher courses where the greens are really difficult, which I don't think will be an issue here. I think you know his short game struggles should be a little bit neutralized, and I think he's as good a ball striker as anyone in the field. So at 7,300, I think I'm getting a really good value play to, to pair with Rob. Yeah, he always performs well on easy courses. He's inside the top 20 of my model for that. Yeah, that's that's I think that's a solid pick. And, and as far as the putting being an issue for him, you, you'd like to think that the Paspalum greens will help the um, the bad putters. Oh, man, it's already on me. So I'm like kind of stalling because I, I want to look something up real quick before I select this guy. And I'm going to go ahead and just select the guy I was going to take anyway. I'm going to take CH3 because it sounds cool. Uh, he doesn't sound cool to have in your lineup, but interestingly, you know, I, I think, I think Charles Howell the third is is a little bit different of the golf, like a different golfer than people think. I think people think of him as as just a a short golfer, like just not not a lot of flair. But I, I do want to point out over the last fifty rounds, a bigger sample size than I normally use, he's sixth off the tee and he's 29th in driving distance. So again, I, I think people would be pretty surprised by that on a course that likely requires some distance off the tee uh he certainly has it the long iron play it's it's not great and that could be a problem we listened to spencer's model like you definitely want to be good with the long irons but at the same time he's made seven out of the last 10 cuts uh only issue really for him has been the putter and again that's just one of those things where can it turn around on these greens yeah probably and it's not like he's a kyle stanley type putter or anything i mean he's just hasn't been that great so i think at 8400 i think there's some pretty sneaky value there i don't suspect there's going to be a lot of ownership there either you guys can correct me if i'm wrong because uh i'm not looking at it at the moment but that's how i'm going to start my team sebastian munoz in uh ch3 so i i know i've said a lot of negative comments about the eight thousand dollar range I think that that's the play in the $8,000 range. I think he is the one that's probably underpriced compared to everybody else. Fair enough. Do you know what the ownership, are other people seeing that too? What's the ownership looking like on CH3? I see about 10.5%, um, which is in line with where everybody else is in that range. Yeah, okay. That's cool. Yeah, I I was unfortunately hoping to grab him. I, I think that he makes a lot of sense in this tournament. Excellent. All right. I will take us with the next who picks here. Um, I have one guy that I know I, I want to select. Uh, I'm going to stall in the process and try to figure out a second one because uh, Howell was going to be the second pick there. But uh, with the first selection, I will take JT Poston at 7,500. Two top 41s over his last two starts for him. I've noticed this trend in his game. And by the way, he's 12th in my model overall. But when you give him these easy courses, 
where it's easy to hit the fairway and there's no rough, he grades inside the top 16 of my model. And I know the one thing everybody's going to want to point towards is his iron play and, and it's bad. But if you're telling me there's no rough and all of a sudden that's not an issue for him anymore and he is finding success, he's top 10 in this tournament also in par five scoring. So I think he possesses a whole ton of upside in this tournament. Like I, I think he can legitimately win the event. And, you know, that's more than you can say about a lot of these guys. For the second pick, <laughs> this is uh, this is something. I mean, this is getting into the ultimate volatility range here. And I don't know if I necessarily need to take it right now, but I just really like the way he grades for me. So he's 23rd overall. He's sixth when I run this from nothing but a statistical perspective. And he's 58th for safety. So this is like a boomer bust selection if I've ever seen one. But uh, 10th in my model for weighted tee to green. 18th at courses over 7,400 yards, 13th when the fairways are easy to hit with no rough. He's inside the top 21 for win, pass Paul, and easy scoring. Can we guess? Can we guess? Yes. Is he in the 9K range? He's not. Oh, okay. Sorry. That was where my guess was going to be. Joel, you, you want to take a crack at that? If you guys want to take a guess, well, he's in the $7,000 range. Interesting. Joel, you got anything? Oh, okay. I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to take a guess. Yeah, this, this would be a volatile. Patrick Rogers. It's not Patrick Rogers, but that's another volatile option to consider out there. Right. Uh, Joel, do you have a guess? I was Lahiri. So it is Alex Smalley oh, who nice. is coming into the tournament with three straight missed cuts. Uh, I just really like his upside potential here. I think that this is a good course for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Spencer, in my initial picks article, he he was like one of the last ones out. Like, I, I mean, and that might have just been me not having the faith. I mean, in terms of like embracing that volatility, but he definitely was, you know, on the cutting room floor. Ultimately, I and I had only picked like twelve guys in my initial picks article, so I, I think Alex Small is, is is a solid play for sure. It's gonna be boom or bust, but that's kind of what I'm looking for, like. I think everybody has volatility to them. So give me the guys that have a little bit more upside. And um, I think there is a way, I mean, it would make it diff more difficult, but I do think there's a way that you can go Rom Finau and Smalley and still have a lineup too. Yeah. Um, and speaking of um, articles, uh, Steven pipes in here. I, there is a little bit of a misconception that his ownership article is just an ownership article. He actually has some picks in that article too. And he's noting here four of the last six winners have been, uh, in his top pick section. And by the way, that top pick section is not a long list. It's actually a, quite a short one. So um, another reason to read Stevens Wednesday ownership article, which is part of like the premium behind the paywall. It's not just how precise he is with the ownership, but he has picks in there too, just like Spencer has picks in his T to green article. And I have picks in my initial picks article. So just FYI there, I cannot believe it's back on me. This is really upsetting because I, I genuinely, I'm not really sure what to do here. Um, it's a hmm. tough tournament to make selections. Like it just gets brutal very fast looking at these names. Yeah. I I'm between two guys. And unfortunately I, I think I'm going to take the more expensive one because he rates out so well. And I think he's, he might have found the zone right now that people thought he was going to be in earlier in the year. He just, he just wasn't there yet. He's another guy that has a problem with the putter, but everything else looks really good. I'm, I'm going to take a peek at my initial picks article to see if, yeah, I wrote him up as well. Uh, I noted that his ball striking has been elite for four tournaments in a row. He actually lost on approach at the RBC, which is first time, long time on that one. Uh, the putter, it, it, that's what it comes. That's what it comes down to. But again, if we're, we're hoping that maybe he's a zero putter, because if he's a zero putter, he could top five this tournament. 9,500, it's Aaron Wise. Rejected. Already taken by the audience. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, then you know what I have to do? <laughs> wow, I'm not paying attention. Hey, nice pick, audience. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to the guy I was going to go to initially. And this is another highly volatile pick. He's our guy. He was kind of Spencer's guy at first or Spencer's friend. And then he was Spencer's guy. And now he's our guy. He follows, I think, all of us. Maybe he's even watched the show. Everybody pronounces his name wrong. Literally everybody. Even when they pronounce it right, they'll say it again and they'll pronounce it wrong. His name is Sahith Thigala, and he's 8,800. Give me him instead of Aaron Wise. Sorry for trying to poach uh, Aaron Wise from the audience. 
Interesting. See it with the with the balance build as promised, as he said he would. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting play. You got a nice looking uh, start to your team there, so it's really good. Also, just to see kind of what it looks like when you're going balance versus going stars and scrub. Mm-hmm. Or what does that look like? What are you getting? So, um, I think Wise is a good pick. I, again, I think this tournament he can win. Um, again, I know it's hard. He's certainly priced fairly for the tournament. It's just sticker chalk, maybe to yeah. see that number on his name, but but he certainly has upside in the way he's been playing this season. Uh, I like that pick. Yeah, I think one of my goals in this tournament was at least in for this show was to at least have a couple of eight K guys in, in in my lineup. Uh, maybe even a third one. We'll see. Just just to make it a little bit different. I do think Sahith Tagala has tremendous upside. He flashed some of that a few months ago. Was it at the players? I'm trying to remember, guys. But um. Either way, he's. Uh, I think it was. Wasn't it Phoenix? Oh, that's right. That's right. Not yeah. the players. Yeah, it was. Um, it was Phoenix. Uh, and and you know that inconsistency off the tee where he kind of sprays it a little bit. I obviously that's not going to be as big of an issue here. So, uh, definitely a dangerous option. But you know, well, I I drafted Sebastian Munoz first, so I'm looking for guys who can pop. Yeah, you're going for the upside. I like it. Um, you know, I normally most weeks I think I I tend to try and. and Draft more like Sia, um, in the more it's, balanced approach. <laughs> Sia watching, Sia watching this show. <laughs> I don't even have like the NBA playoffs on. There's like literally no excuse for that. Uh, anyway, um, that's funny, Zach. Thanks. That was good. Um, no, but I do. I, I tend to take that strategy more often. Not. This week I'm different. I just I I'm just having a hard time getting away from Rom and doing so. Obviously, it's hard to be balanced. So with that being said, I normally also like. You know, I think the younger guys are overvalued. You know, their strokes game metrics look a little better when they are measured against Corn Ferry tournaments and against each other opposed to against the big dog. So um, this is the way I'm playing this week is just very different than how I normally play. I'm going young again. I'm going back to that well. Uh, if there is a week for these guys to succeed, it's this one. And this time I'm going with Austin Smotherman. Mm. Similar type. You know, this is a guy who's been gaining strokes, ball striking pretty consistently this season. Um, he's got a handful of top 30s. Um, he does struggle around the green and putting, which kind of my thought is that I hope will be neutralized. So if he neutralizes that around the green and putting game and he excels with his ball striking, uh, he should be able to put up a number. So uh, I'm going to start there. I'm going to go there as well. And again, leaving me still some some balance to, to kind of round out my, my first pick with Ron. I like it. I He was one of the guys I wrote up in my initial picks article. Definitely volatile, but uh, has has the upside for sure. The only pushback I would say to it is he's going to be very popular. Mm-hmm. Really? What's the number you're looking at? Uh, 15%. Wow. Oh, that is surprising. high. Um, I didn't know that. At 15%, I probably wouldn't like him as much. Uh, the number I saw on him was closer to eight or nine. So if it is about closer to 15, then I would probably go elsewhere. But if it says under 10, I, I'd be comfortable. With it. Yeah, it's a completely different game if this is under 10 versus if he's one of the top players on the board at 15% plus. Agreed. Speaking of popular players, the audience has picked one of their two. So keep nominating because Nate Lashley is one of your next two. I think Nate Lashley is, is a pretty great pick, but I'm wondering what his ownership is at the moment. 9.4%. Oh, it's not terrible. Okay. No. Um, if you look at the course comps, Nate Lashley makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's coming off a miscut at the RBC, but at Corrales in Puerto Rico, T15, T7, and prior to the RBC, he had four top 30s in a row, which of course included those two tournaments as well. But uh, seems like a good setup. Are, are we missing something? Like if you look at the longer form, like 50 rounds or so, there's some potential issues there. Um, but, but Spencer, I'll, I'll ask you, um, how are you feeling about Nate Lashley this week? Well, I mean, I run it for two years and my numbers still seem to like him. He's 25th mm-hmm. overall in my model. Um, I mean, I'm scrolling through to find like, if there's any red flags, I guess like the only problem would be his par five scoring. Um, but other than that, I don't have any massive concerns with him. Yeah. I, um, I like it. That, that would have definitely been my next pick. It might, maybe it should have been my third pick. Uh, I, I really like that play. And I really like the team that the audience is, man, I really gave him some bulletin board material at the outset of the show, right? <laughs> they are like highly motivated with 7,700 to go for their next three. That's, that's pretty strong start. Um, so do we have, 
I've been trying to go see it. Do we have, is it Wyndham Clark that just got nominated a second time? Yes. Wyndham Clark by William Neal and Courtney Harden. And Zach endorses that as well. So that's going to be another one for them. Uh, certainly a heavy hitter. I don't know that he's been as good off the tee lately as we kind of perceive him to be. Uh, Joel, any thoughts on Wyndham Clark? Is he in your pool? Yeah, he is actually. He's he's on my list of maybe I mean, he wasn't going to be my next pick, but he was definitely someone I was considering to round up my roster. Um, I think one thing I like about Wyndham Clark, he's been playing a little bit better more recently. Uh, but one of the things he gritted out well on was on these um, on these kind of weird vacation course screens that are mm-hmm. slow. He's not known to be a great putter. If he can, you know, be a plus putter here and strike the ball, well, I think he can, he can compete this week in this field. Fair enough. The only thing I'll add to that too is um, my model is kind of indifferent on him, but the one thing that I would note to it is when you look at some of these offshore books, I've seen him as low as like 40 to one. Like wow. he has gotten hammered. Um, and that's noteworthy to me. Like I'm not going to remove a player from my pool when I'm kind of indifferent on them. And there does seem to be buzz in the, you know, markets. I respect that at least. So uh, that's noteworthy enough that I definitely think he's worth being in consideration. It's impressive. Yeah. That's big. Um, all right. So uh, I'm going to pivot now. I'm going to spend up here. There's a, there, well, there's two guys I'm really between. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm actually going to go with <laughs> more value one. I was going to spend up. I'm going to save that pick. I'm going to go with Vaughn Taylor here, who um, I don't have to spend all my money on. It's, again, another value pick. Vaughn Taylor is a guy who we've seen compete in some of these bigger tournaments. Um, at 6900 I just think it's just a really good price for what he can get you. In his last three outings, he was 25th at Punta Cana. He missed the guy at the Valspar. He was 7th in Puerto Rico. So um, he's not going to overly impress you off the tee, but he, he's a really good ball striker. And I just think this is the type of field where, where he can really compete. In. Sure. I, I don't have any arguments to that. Yeah, I think that's a solid pick. I am stalling. Um, and that's not a hint that I'm picking Scott Stallings, who apparently has uh, picked up some steam uh, this week. Not for me this week, I don't think. But man, I, I am I am genuinely kind of upset that Nate Lashley is gone because that's sort of who I just just so you know, I'll probably start some teams with Sebastian Munoz, Charles Howell III, Sahith the Gala, and I'll probably add in Nate Lashley because that, then that's going to pump me right back up to that 7,800 range, and then I can really play with maybe another maybe even another 9K guy and then drop into the 6K range or just a couple um, 8K, 7K guys. So I'm a little stuck now because, interestingly, I kind of want to go into the 6K range, but that kind of defeats the purpose of my whole strategy with with the balance lineup. But I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway, and I'm going to take a guy that is – Kind of off the radar, although people are talking about him. And frankly, it was it was Rick who put this guy in, in my brain, uh, Rick Gaiman, on Monday on the first cut because I hadn't even considered him. He is like the Monday qualifier of Monday qualifiers. And I, I kind of like that. And, and on these resort courses, I think he has a pretty good track record. And he's only 6,500. So there goes the balance lineup. But I do think this guy can make the cut. Uh, it's Patrick Flavin. So Flavor Flav. Uh, you're on team Najat. Let's go. You know, it's funny saying the first lineup I made this week, I was making, you know, handmade, checking through guys. He ended up being my last guy in, and I was like, all right, I, I can get down with Flavin. And then I was like, no, I can't play him. I barely know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and it was like full disclosure, I'm not going to pretend that I really know his game. And I've, I've heard stuff from Rick and, and on some other podcasts. Um, I think I heard um, John, PGA Tout, talking about him today as well. And, and and even still, even hearing that, like I, I'm not gonna pretend to be like the the Flavin expert, but I, I do think you know just based on his his track record on these resort style you know Paspalum courses and just how he like how he's grinded to Monday qualifiers, it seems to me like he's the he's the type of guy that would be grinding to a made cut here as well. And what made me like him was at 6,500, he does in his last four out. I mean, he's he's made cuts. Um... He's got a 22nd, a 17th. I mean, if right. you want to say those are weak tournaments, this is a weak tournament. So, I mean, that's that's totally fair. 
So this is an interesting thing because this is what happens when, and I'm not saying he's price wrong. Again, I'm I'm not the, the Flavin expert, but what's interesting is if he had showed up at 7,200 or 7,100, we all would have looked at that and we all would have asked the same question, like, who's that guy again? And then we would, we would have looked at his stats and we would have looked at his finishing positions and we would have been like, oh, okay, my bad. That, that's actually a good price on that guy because I, I just, I didn't know who he was. My point is, I'm not really sure where they got the 6,500 from, but when you take a closer look and you look at all the guys in the 6,500-ish range, it seems to me that he probably deserves, even it's a small sample size, but he probably deserves to be in that like at least high 6K, low 7K range. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I like this guy might be plus seven, you know, <laughs> on, on whole, you know, on the back nine on, on Thursday. So we'll see what happens. I'm trying to run numbers very quickly to uh, see what number would have been proper. I, I I guess 6,800 is where I had him proper. So okay, uh, you do have a little bit of value there for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, man. I I feel like I'm taking the, the Joel special right now of this is asking for a, a WD right now. Oh, boy. I don't know if I want to do this. Jason Day's not in the field. <laughs> oh man, this is this might be a little too extreme. So it's one of two guys for me. Um, remind me if the guy's not picked to say who the other player was at the end. But I am going to go with a guy who's going to be six percent owned, and the reason why he's going to be six percent owned is because everybody's worried about his health concerns. He's pulled out of two of his last three tournaments he's played. He missed the cut at the Masters. He's in his home country. I don't know if he's here because it's in his home country. I don't know where the health is. I might be asking for trouble here. My model loves Abraham answer though this weekend. Um, I mean, hopefully if he pulls out, he pulls out before the tournament and I can figure out a way to solve it there. So I will take Abraham answer with the first pick. Um, with the second selection, I actually will go to what Sia was saying earlier, and I will take Patrick Rogers. I think there's some volatility there with him too, but I think this is a good course setup for him. I like the way he performs at longer tests. I like how he performs on pass follow Um, the distance is obviously great. He's going to be inside the top 15 there. This lineup has gotten maybe a little bit more volatile than I was hoping for it to be originally, but I mean, it's definitely going to be boom or bust. Yeah. The answer one, we'll see. This is the thing though. Those are the types of selections that like can win you a tournament. Cause I think a lot of people, first of all, a lot of people aren't going to know that answer was injured, like just the casual player, but then like the, in some of the, like, the higher end, like single entries, everybody's going to be afraid, I think, to play. I, I know I would be to play Abraham Answer, but like those are the tournaments where you win because people are afraid like me to play him and he's fine. Like he said, he was fine. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I, I certainly, I, it's a good pick. People were asking me in Discord about Abraham Answer. I, I said I was off of him, but I also said I don't really have a really strong argument against him. I thought Spencer, and I want your thoughts here, I thought maybe his game was a little neutralized by how sort of, resortish this course is what what are your thoughts on that a little bit but like my numbers really like him so he becomes better from the weighted tee to green numbers that i run you could make an argument that the course might be a little longer than you would want for him but he's been phenomenal on courses any single time that there's easy to hit fairways which is kind of opposite of what you would think from him you would think that you'd rather it be condensed and we have seen that before we've seen him at you know the rbc heritage find success but He's fifth in my model when all of a sudden it becomes easy. He's good in the wind. Uh, he's eighth in my model in easy scoring, and he's inside the top 12 in par five birdie or better percentage. I have concerns. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that this might be biting off a little bit more than I should have in this spot. But if he's healthy and you could guarantee me he was healthy, I think he's, I don't know, 15, 16% owned. So if you're going to tell me he's five or 6% owned, I'll take a shot on him. I think he's one of the better leverage plays that you can find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I am stalling again right now. So I'm trying to figure out who it's going to be. I might go low again. There was a guy I was about to take. I want to get your thoughts after the draft on him, but I'm not going to take him anymore. I'm going to go low again and then I'll go high with my last, with my last player. 
I'm going to take a, I think he's going to be pretty popular. I'm going to take Tyler Duncan. He just rates out, like, I'm not super excited about it, but at 7,200, I think there's value there. He rates out really well uh, in, in really most metrics. In, in my model, he's, let's see, he's somewhere inside the top 25. Yeah, he's actually 17th somehow. So I'm just going to take Tyler Duncan. I'll save the money and hope, hope he makes the cut and does some damage on the weekend. I like the play fine. I, I think that it he's, by the way, he is 10% owned right now. So kind of, I mean, that's marginal. I wouldn't say that that's so extreme. Yeah. I'm, I'm Again, I'm not super excited about it. He's, it's interesting. He's, he's really, he's been really good off the tee last 50 rounds. Um, driving distance, not, not much to write home about. The longer irons are, are, are just about average. Uh, interestingly, his DK point scoring is, is really high last 50 rounds. So take that for what it's worth but nothing's really popping to me uh but i I think at 7200 there's value there yeah yeah i agree he was he was actually on my list of potential guys that could be my last pick so again we're we're fishing here in this 7k range but he's definitely someone that that's at least in my player pool Mm -hmm. um all right i'm gonna take my 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 last upper priced guy and i'm gonna go with chris kirk here that's a good pick um, too. Yeah. Chris Kirk, my concern with his ownership is, is a little higher than like for you know the golfer is for his profile, but I think in terms of price point in this field, I think it's still a pretty good number. You know, it's you're still saving about a thousand dollars till some of the other uh, you know 10k premier guys. Um, you know, he's been playing really well this season. He's in good form. I think this is a tournament he can compete at. So uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with him there. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, I like the pick a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are on. Oh, we're on the audience. Um, we got the last two players for the audience looking at nominations. How much do they have remaining? About seventy-seven hundred or so in change. Yeah, seventy-seven fifty. Got three nominations right now. All of them different. So we're waiting on seconds potentially for three that have been nominated. Bramlett, Brandon Wu, and C.T. Pan. What do we got? Any other nominations? All right, we got Brandon Wu. Brandon Wu is the first of two players for the audience. And Courtney is seconding. Oh, C.T. Pan. Oh, and Ivan seconded CT Pan too, I believe. So there we go. That rounds out the team. What do you guys have an opinion on either of those two guys? Are they in your player pool? My model loved Brandon Wu. I I was shocked. He graded 14th overall, and and a lot of it had to do with the weighted T to green numbers that I ran from him. So on a normal course, I have him 107th. For this specific course, I had him 25th. That is, I believe, the largest discrepancy of anybody in the tournament. So, um, I mean, that means something to me. I, I don't know how much I necessarily trust him, but we're all throwing darts at this point. And I, I certainly think he's one of, like, your dart throws that makes sense to try to do at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I think the audience did a good job, see, uh, kind of executing your strategy, right? I think yeah. they're a little bit more balanced. Um I don't think they have a major weakness. I think they have cut makers. I think they did a good job. Totally agree. I, I think that's a great lineup. Agree. All right. So I, I, I'm down to two players for my last pick. Um, since you know you see two left, I don't. I don't care if you steal my the guy. I don't take. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm. I'm deciding between Nick Taylor and Chase Seifert. Um, both same price. Um, you know, I, I think they're both have really strong ball striking numbers. I am leaning toward Chase Seifert, so I'm going to take that. That's going to be my pick, but very close to taking Nick Taylor as well. I think as we're seeing as we go through this draft, there's probably close to 10 guys, you know, 7,000 to 6,900 to 7,500, maybe 12 that are just very similar. We all kind of mentioned them. We're taking them, uh, but that's going to be, I think, where you have to really hit to be successful this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So it's on me. So I, I, there, there were a couple guys. I wish I had a little bit more left over, uh, but there was a couple guys I was debating between here with 9,300 left. It was Russell Knox. And and I don't think I'm revealing. Yeah. So it's not like um, 
Spencer can get any of these guys. Um, it was Russell Knox or Matt Jones. Now, Matt Jones hasn't been drafted yet, correct? No. Yeah, I just, you know, there's nothing about Matt Jones that it's, it's soup really jumps out at me, to be honest with you. I mean, the metrics are good. The course fit is good. But they're not great. But I, I still think he's such a good course fit. So I'm going to go with Matt Jones here, uh, who can hammer it off the tee. And sometimes he can pop with approach. So it's it's Matt Jones for me. Matt Jones, from an overall rank sense, is fourth overall for me. Wow. I think him and Charles Howell are two of the better values on the board if we're looking at $8,000 and up golfers within that range there. So I think you probably grab the two that make uh, the most logical sense. Awesome. That sounds good. All right, Spencer, you got one pick left. All right. So just to talk about the player, and, and by the way, I think Chris Kirk made a ton of sense also. Like if if there was another name I was going to throw out in the $9,000 range, if I didn't take answer, Chris Kirk is in this general area also but i do like cameron tringali at 9700 just to throw that name out there mm -hmm. um you know in an ideal world if answer does and i think he is fine but if something ends up happening he ends up hurting himself that'll be where i end up pivoting for anybody that is curious there so i like him i think matt jones was a really good pick also i think those are like the two guys in the nine thousand dollar range that i want but um I am going to wrap this up. I mean, this lineup is just volatile to the very end with it. And I'm just going to keep rolling with it. So to me, it comes down to one of two plays. It's either Vincent Whaley at 6,800, which I do think is a little bit safer, or it's the guy I'm going to take at 6,800. I'm just going to shoot for the ultimate upside with it. So this player is 23rd in my model for weighted T to green. He's third in both a two-year sample size and the last 24 rounds off the tee. Uh, the putter is horrible. Maybe it gets a little neutralized here to where he can find some sort of an advantage. He's a good win player. He's in the top 12 there. And he is fourth in par five birdie or better percentage. So I am going to shoot for the ultimate upside. And I am going to wrap this up with Trey Molinex at mm -hmm. 6,800. That was uh, that was Sticks Boy from a couple months ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Nick doesn't have the greatest uh, track record. I'm going to try to change it for Team Better Golf at this point. <laughs> yeah, you can still smash it. it off the tee, that's for sure. That's a wrap for the draft. Take a look at the teams. I think it's interesting how we kind of went about roster construction this week. Um, take a look at some of the value plays. I think that's going to be one of the most important factors. Don't mm -hmm. forget, you definitely need to get cup makers this week. So make sure you're, you're considering all six of your guys, not just the top. Uh, let us know. Drop in before we move on from the draft. Give us a like. Smash the like button. Give us a follow. Let us know which team you like the best, who you think is going to win. Good luck this week, but we're not done yet. Before we leave you guys, we are going to give you our outrights and our first-round leaders. Um, we're going to head over there now. And Sia, do you want to kick us off in the outright market? Yeah, I'm going to give you four guys as opposed to five. Um Tony Finau, we talked about him at the, the front end of the show. It's not like I'm in love with 22 to one. I, I really kind of hate picking that. But at this tournament, I don't mind it. I, I do think this is a course and this is a tournament where Tony Finau could win, especially with the ball striking really continuing to be consistent and perhaps the short game turning around a little bit. So 22 to one there. Uh, Matt Jones, 55 to one. I, I wasn't really super excited about betting Matt Jones until I saw the number. I thought he would be maybe closer to 50 or 45 or something, but 55 to one, I think is a pretty solid number for him. Charles Howard, the third 60 to one. Um, does he win tournaments really? No, but again, this is a different type of field and, and I do like how he rates out. And then finally our guy, Sahith Tagala, who I have on my DraftKings team, who we're, we are going to have on our show eventually. Uh, he's 80 to one. So give me Sahith. I think he can win a tournament. That's a solid card. I like that. How about you, Spence? He looked at in the outrights. So I also took Tony Finau. I know he was 30 to one on DraftKings to start the week. Berger oh. pulled out of the tournament. He fell to 25 to one. That's where I ended up grabbing him. I see him at 22 to one now in the space. I'm still okay with that number. I wouldn't go lower than that, but Tony Finau, 22 to one. I took Danny Lee, 150 to one. Yes. I, I liked, by the way, I really wanted to have Danny Lee on my card. So if I would have gone Tringali, it would have ended Tringali and Danny Lee. That's how I was going to end up, but. Uh, What's it. his price? Is he in the on, sixes? Uh, he is seventy one hundred. Oh, gotcha. Okay, just okay. I like. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Danny Lee guy. I like that. 
So. Alex Smalley, 90 to 1. JT Poston, 100 to 1. Trey Molinax, 200 to 1. And then potentially, I think he might be, and I didn't end up taking him, but I think he might be the best DraftKings play on the board at sub 1%. If you're looking for an ultimate dart throw that, you know, I mean, he's, I think he's 7,100 or 70. 7,200, but Michael Thompson, 150 to one on DraftKings. Uh, if you can tell me that I can get a guy that my model loves for upside, like I'm going to just play him in the outright market right now, but I also think he's in play for GPP contests. Can I ask you real quick on Michael Thompson? Cause he's, he's a relatively shorter hitter, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's the long iron play? Because I, and the reason I point that out is because Ryan Armour at 6,900 is also a relatively short, actually he's a very short hitter. Um, but his long iron play is really good. I'm just trying to figure out where you see the edge with Michael Thompson. It's exactly the same thing with him. So he's 23rd in my model from proximity from 175 yards and over. And then when I look at the weighted T to green, it's the same thing that I kind of keep mentioning with all these guys that keep popping on my model. So he's 71st overall on a standard course for this specific test. He's fifth. Okay. So I, I like him a lot. Um, I'm a little sad that I didn't find a way to fit him into a lineup, but uh, I, I do think he makes a lot of sense this week. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. For my card, I think this week, um, obviously, seems like a good week to throw some Hail Marys, right? Uh, other than the cup for top couple guys, I think it's anyone's game. At 151, I like Adam Swenson. I, I drafted him pretty early. I really like him this week. I think this is a type of tournament he should do pretty well at. And I just think 150 to 1, that's a great number you're getting on him. Um, I also like Brian Stewart at 130 to 1. It's these types of tournaments he tends to pop at. Um, I probably will take him in like a top 20 bet as well. I think that's probably more realistic to hit. But 130 to 1 for him to win the tournament is a good number. And then going up to a little bit of the more realistic side, I like Russell Knox at 70 to 1. Um, and to finalize my card, my, my last play is going to be, uh, Arnabon Lahiri, who has just been playing well at 80. Mm-hmm. I like it. Awesome. That's a wrap for the outrights. Now we're going to leave you with the magic that is Sia's first round leaders because Sia's streak this year is quite honestly, just amazing. Um, he's been not just hitting every week, hitting multiple first round leaders every week, which you would think is impossible, but it's not. He actually, it's a fact. He's been hitting multiple per week. So, see ya. We're going to save your picks for last. Spence, who you got in the first round of the market? So, I decided to give some first round leaders. I'll set yes. the stage for Sia to give us the winner this week. But I have seven that are all 65 to one or higher. So, it's going to be very similar to the outright card that I just said. Alex Smalley, 85 to one on FanDuel. Trey Molinex, 110 to one on DraftKings. Adam Shank, 100 to 1 on DraftKings. That's another player that I kind of like this week for GPP contests. Patrick Rogers, 100 to 1 DraftKings. Danny Lee, 100 to 1 DraftKings. Vince Whaley, 100 to 1 FanDuel. And then Pat Perez, 65 to 1 on FanDuel. Love it. I love it. Yeah. One thing I find interesting um, with the first round leader, I mean, it's obvious why it's obviously a lot easier to be a first round leader than to win a whole tournament. Uh, but it's a pretty significant jump at the top in terms of odds for the better golfers to, to be the first round leader. So honestly, my first look is wrong. I mean, sure, give me one round at 12 to one. I mean, the three to one number to win the tournament is just not worth betting. You can probably still get that on Sunday if he's not winning. So um, <laughs> there's no point in betting that now. But I think 12 to 1 in a first round leader, I think it's still a pretty good number for what I think is by far the best golfer in the field. So I would take that 12 to 1 number on Rom for a more fun kind of home run here on the first round leaders. Uh, an interesting one, no one we mentioned on the show yet this week, at 130 to 1, Steven Yeager, uh, who's a guy who's, who's popped here and there this year. I think that's a, that's a pretty strong number you can get on him. Um, and Tyler Duncan, who I know we, we, we drafted on the show at 100 to 1. He's someone I can see having a big first round. I like that. I like that Tyler Duncan one. I might unofficially add that. So, speaking of unofficial, I gave out five at the um, on the first cut on Monday. And, and I just, I'm only pointing that out because two of them have changed. I tried to go for morning tea times. I think there's going to be a slight edge uh, in the morning versus the afternoon on Thursday. So, just for, for those who maybe listened to that, the two guys that I actually took out. Um, of the picks I gave out Monday were Lee Hodges at 110 to one 
and Adam Long did make the cut. By the way, that doesn't necessarily mean they're in the afternoon, but just when I recalculated everything and, and, and looked at my morning times and some of the players I liked, they just didn't make it. So uh, I got five here. So let's start with Sebastian Munoz at 40 to one because it's Sebastian Munoz and you have to bet him first round leader. Uh, Charles Howell the third. This all sounds pretty familiar. 60 to one. Then we're going to go pretty high. Oh, no. Matt Jones, 65 to one. Then we're going to go a little higher. Nate Lashley, 100 to one. So, so far we've got Munoz, CH3, Matt Jones, Lashley, and the guy who's going to be your first round leader and your champion because he was on my outright card too. And he belongs in your GPP lineup because he's in my GPP lineup too that we drafted here on the PGA DraftCast brought to you by Wind Daily Sports, who has an NFL draft show with a lot of really cool guests Thursday night from 8 to 12 during the entire first round. My first round leader, your first round leader, the people's first round leader. It's the guy, nobody gives him the respect of pronouncing his name correctly, except for the guys at Wind Daily Sports. He's 75 to 1. His name is Sahith. Tagala. Sahit Tagala is your first round leader at the Mexico Open at Vedanta. You're welcome, everybody. Well, I've never heard of a bigger lock than that. So lock never. that in before the line moves because it's almost certainly going to. So I would put everything you have on that as soon as possible. Everything. Because uh, that's that's 100% going in. Uh, that's a wrap for tonight. Uh, good luck this week. It's a fun week. Let's get back after it. Anything that we're forgetting? Uh, just a reminder on the draft show Thursday night, uh, you two both might be making an appearance on that. We've got some other cool guys, David Bierman from ESPN. I think I might get, get Chris Cody from the Levitard show. I think he might be on. Jeff Feinberg mentioned he might stop by. We've got David Meltzer, uh, the influencer, former NFL agent. There's going to be a lot of cool people on the show just kind of giving random takes. We're not just going to talk football in the draft. We're going to talk about a lot of other fun stuff too, including – all the money we won on Sahith Tagalo as the first round leader. And the only other thing is sports, sports, sports.